All right. Welcome to another episode of Powerhouse Conversations brought to you by Dream Big Sports, where we have uh, dope conversations with uh, people in the sports industry about how they can innovate. Um, and we bring on, um, you know, different different platforms, different brands, different professionals so they can talk about their brands and how we can help the brands of our listeners. Um, today we have a great episode with uh, JQ um, from JQ Sports PR. So let everybody get in. We'll get started. There we go. Everybody make sure they send um, send this to about three, four people. Just, uh, you know, we want to make sure we get our athletes in and, you know, get them this good information. So make sure y'all sending it to send it. Especially for today, for young athletes, we want to make sure that they're getting the information. So. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Can you hear me good? I can. I can. How are you? Great. I'm great. I'm great. So I'm excited about this conversation. Uh, definitely uh, want to start off with thank you, thanking you for, uh, you know, joining and, um, you know, taking the time to come on and have this conversation. Uh, yeah, so you're welcome. welcome. Thank you for having me. Yep, yep. Uh, definitely, uh, you know, love your content online. And for those who don't follow JQ, uh, make sure you all go click the follow button. Um, we want to make sure that, uh, you know, you can, if you have an athlete that you know or a brand that you know, uh, make sure you're getting that information because she definitely uh, does a great job of creating content um, that people Thank can you. relate to and um, makes it easier for them to understand. So make sure you all follow her. I will uh, I will let you introduce yourself, but JQ is a professional sports PR manager. Uh, she helps athletes uh, create a and create and build a brand, um, you know, especially, uh, you know, the high school athletes and their families, um, helps them with the recruiting process. So introduce yourself, tell them about your background, and um, we'll get started. Yeah, so... I is what you said. I'm a sports PR manager. Um, I go by JQ. That's my marketing name. Um, I'm actually a former college basketball athlete. I played on the Division One, JUCO, and Division Two level. Okay. Um, after I graduated from St. Andrews in Lauren, North Carolina, I went straight into grad school um, because I didn't want to pursue basketball anymore. I had an opportunity to play overseas, but chose to go a different route. So I went to Liberty, did my two years, and while I was at Liberty. I interned for the Liberty uh, football program as their marketing assistant intern. And I also coach at a local high school in Lynchburg uh, for the girls JV basketball team. And I also helped out with a semi-men's uh, basketball called the Lynchburg Legends. So I did a lot, stay very active because I knew I wanted to stay in sports, but I didn't know what that right. looked like. So after I graduated from Liberty, um, moved back to Raleigh, North Carolina, Hey, what am I gonna do now? I'm out of school because that's all I knew was school and ball. I didn't want to think about right. getting no job. So I said, well, let me find something that pertains to basketball. So what I did, I purchased this cheap camera. It got the job done. And I was um attending all of the elite, you know, shoe circuit programs, right. um, the Nike EYBL, the Adidas, all Amer McDonald's All-American. Mm -hmm. I mean, the list goes on and on. And what I would do at these tournaments was um, I was on the sideline doing some highlight filming and also interviewing athletes. 
at the time, there was hardly any females on the sideline doing what I was doing. Gotcha. So everybody looked at me. I would walk in there like with a dress sometimes, not like a fancy dress, but right. just like a casual dress. And they'd be looking at me like, who is she? What is she doing on the sidelines? Because right. most people, when they look, when they see me, they don't think that I play, I'm a former, former basketball player. So um, I did that for a couple of years, but being a student athlete, I was seeing so much stuff that was going on behind the scenes to where it was like, okay, I feel like I can offer more than just doing interviews and highlight films. Because honestly, I knew I didn't want to do that for the rest of my career. Right. I just knew that was my way to get my foot in the door right. and build the relationships with these kids um, that are now in the NBA and their families. So that's when I transitioned to being, you know, behind the camera as a sports PR manager. So Jakey Sports PR is my baby. That's my brand. That's my business. Um, as you mentioned earlier, I work with high school athletes, college and professional athletes. And I also um, uh, work with athletic brands with their branding and marketing, too. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, so, um, so tell me about some of the, I know you, you, uh, you were, you were kind of mentioning some of the, the athletes that you have, uh, worked with in the past. Can you tell, tell some of the people? Yeah. So when I was, uh, doing the interviews, um, at the different events that I had mentioned earlier, I had an opportunity to build a really good relationship with Bam Adebayo that now plays, plays at the Miami Heat. He's out right. of North Carolina. Right. Um, also Dennis Smith, uh, Jr. out of North Carolina as well. Um, De'Aaron Fox, that's with the Sacramento Kings. Um, uh, Miles Bridges, Lord Jesus, <laughs> phenomenal player. Right, um, right. You, know, you know, we know what's going on with his situation, but right. I had an opportunity to interview him at the um, NBA Top 100 okay. back in 2016. Um, so I, yeah, I was able to work with those athletes, you know, with the media training. Um, and then I also helped um, a football player out of the Atlanta Falcons with his event, with his nonprofit charity event here in Atlanta, Georgia, a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, I just I worked with a lot of people, yep, a, a lot yep. of athletic brands. And I'm just very, you know, uh, grateful that I was able to work with these young men yep. um, that are very talented um, and really good, really good people. And so what were some of the things that stuck out to you when you were, you know, working with, with some of these uh, these athletes? Well, like I said, as I was, you know, conducting interviews, there would be times where I would ask these guys questions and, you know, they wouldn't know how to respond to these questions. So that's what gave me the green light to, to, to think, okay, I could do more than just, you know, give interviews, maybe some mm -hmm. media training. Right. So that was one of the things that I did notice is that they was they wasn't getting any proper media training when it was time to do media interviews and just interacting with different people. I also noticed with the families is that even to this day, kids jump around from AAU team to AAU team. So being able to give, you know, families uh, some insight on how to maneuver and how to navigate through this crazy sports world. Right. Um, just noticing things like that, I just I I knew that I could give some great insight, um, some inspiration and some education to these young to these young kids and families. Gotcha. So what what is your point of view on you know the the AAU team hopping and all of that? Like what what as a PR like how do you feel they they should maneuver? That is a great question. So honestly, we all know that sports is a political world. Right. Mm -hmm. Every industry, there's politics involved. 
-hmm. When it comes to AAU, I think it starts with the parents doing their research, doing their Mm -hmm. homework. You know, I've talked to a couple of parents where I would tell them, hey, before you put your kid on this on this team, go and scout them out. You know, sit in one of their practices or if you guys are at a tournament and there's a specific team that you're interested in having your son or your daughter to play with, go over and watch them play. Pay attention to the parents as well, the coaches. So I feel that every kid's situation is different. Yeah. But I, I'm, I'm really keen and big on parents getting more involved in their child's recruiting process. Yeah. Um, short story, um, I'm the oldest of three girls, and I was the first one to, I had it the hardest. So I was the, yeah. the oldest that went off to college. And my parents, neither one of them went to college. Um, they played high school sports, but they didn't know anything about the recruiting process. Right. So they kind of had to educate themselves and, they made some mistakes, bumped their heads, you know, doing the road or whatnot. And I, when I look back on that, that's what gives me the passion and the push and the drive to educate these parents. Now, don't get me wrong. Just because you are involved, you get involved with your uh, your child's recruiting doesn't mean it's going to be easier. Right. But I feel like as a parent, they they need to step forward and help their child and guide their child throughout the process. And, you know, along with getting some outside opinions and things like that. But the AU has become very political. I mean, social media doesn't help at all either. And just being, you know, inside the, um, just being inside of what's going on, I hear so many stories and yes. stories and I cringe. Right. I hear parents that say, yeah, I went to this AUT because the coach is promising my son playing time. I mean, of course the coach is going to tell you that. Shit. College coaches would tell these kids that, right. right? Right. So it's just really doing your research and and educating yourselves on how this game is ran because it's a doggy dog world out here. Right. And I just, you know, honestly, like I said, just having parents getting involved in their child's recruiting and just, you know, like I said, every kid's situation is different. Um, just because you play on a shoe circuit doesn't mean you're going to get recruited because right. there are some awesome independent programs out here that are getting these kids to the next next level yeah and so and, and that's what i was gonna um gonna ask you about like um you know i think a lot of them jump to the names and they go mm-hmm. to the name it might not be the best situation for them right so mm-hmm. uh di- differentiating the opportunity from the the uh the names and the and the uh the, the what's going to look good on social media I think that's probably a, a really big thing that that uh, that they have to to navigate right now. Yeah, and 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 like I said, I mean, it's it's very political. These AAU teams they have to, you know, portray themselves on social media that they're the best AAU program in the nation. I'm not against that because again, I come from a branding marketing standpoint, so that's what you're supposed to do. But again, it just takes it just takes the kids and the parents really doing their research and scouting out these different teams. You know, ask these coaches, what type of network do you have? Right. I, you know, sadly, I've heard that there's, there are a couple of AU programs here in the U.S. that have coaches that don't have any connections on the collegiate level. And I don't care if it's JUCO coaches. I don't care right. if it's D3. Your coaching staff, just my personal opinion, and I would love to hear from you what, you, what your thoughts are on this, but... I feel that when these coaches or these directors of these AU programs start scouting these different coaches, 
you need to make it mandatory that they build a relationship with college coaches. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, that's what the ultimate goal is, is to get these kids to the next level. What, what it, what's your thoughts on that? Do, no, you, do I, you agree? I 1,000% agree because, even, like, you, and I think you made a good point. Like, it doesn't matter if it's, uh, you know, a high major power five conferences or if it's JUCO. Whatever your level has, I think they should have the, that relationship with that, you know, that, like you just said, it might be a private, private uh, AAU, AAU team. Mm -hmm. You're private and you're kind of small then you should have the best JUCO relationships around because everybody on your team isn't going D1. And I think that's what that's what the biggest misconception is, is that a lot of these kids are going to these programs and they're only looking for D1. They're only looking for Power 5. They're only looking for this. But all those situations may not be the best fit for you. So if I'm a smaller AAU program, maybe I'm not there yet. But I do have relationships that I can get you at this JUCO. I can get you at this D2. I can get you at this HBCU like mm -hmm. and that's and that actually that's a niche that some AAU programs should probably try to go into I don't trying to go for this this power grab and I may want to go and I'm going to be the best HBCU uh, uh, AAU program there is I have a relationship with all these great HBCU programs mm -hmm. or maybe I can find you a great D2 school but everybody wants to go and grab oh well, I can get you to a, a D1 so I'm one of them. So, <laughs> so like I said earlier, I work. I worked myself backwards. I started out of high school going to a Division One, mm -hmm. JUCO, and then Division Two. Uh, Division Two. I'm a very transparent individual, and you can tell in my social media content that I put on um, on social media. I try to educate people um, based on the experiences that I've been through. Yep. So there's a, a video a reel that I had created and I listed the uh, mistakes that I had made as a college athlete. And when I was in high school, that's all people talked about was who's going D1. Oh, right. you don't need to consider going to JUCO. JUCO are for bad kids right. or kids that don't have the grades. I yep. wasn't a bad kid. I had great, great grades, but I'm listening to everybody else saying, Jake, you know, Jaquiz, you're too talented to go to a JUCO or Division II. So in my head, I'm thinking, oh, I'm only considering D1. So it all boiled down to, I will never forget this. It was between Maryland Eastern Shore, there in the uh, MEAC conference, mm -hmm. and Montana State. Those were the last two schools that I had narrowed my, my decision to, or my choices to. And my parents had different opinions, and mm -hmm. I decided to go to Maryland Eastern Shore. It didn't work out, found myself, you know, entering the transfer uh, portal, went to a JUCO in Texas, did my thing. Uh, I had the opportunity to play at Louisville or North Texas, but I didn't want to go to summer school because I, I fell in love with this guy at the time and failed two classes. So I said, I'm, I'm not going to summer school. I've never done summer school before. So I had to go to a Division II school, but I look back now and I said, I wish I would have really, you know, uh, analyzed the situation and did what was best for me instead of what everybody else was telling me. So I tell kids all the time, do yep. what's best for you. Go, go to a program that you can make an impact, not because you can walk around campus or brag to your friends, hey, I go to this school. Home. And you're, you're probably sitting on the bench anyway. Right. So... 
Yep, and uh, so actually in the in the comments, my friend John J. Jefferson, he he is a product of of, of junior college. Uh, as a he's currently still playing in a, uh, probably over a ten years career uh, overseas. Like there is a way. Uh, I'm a JUCO product. Uh, you know, there is a way to get to where you want to go uh, from JUCO to from uh, uh, D1, D2, whatever, whatever it may be. But like you just said, you, you have to make the uh, the best decision for yourself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, again, going back to what I said earlier about parents, you know, yep. parents, you're, you're, one of your roles is to guide your kid or guide your children and to, you know, pushing them in the direction that you know what's, well, not what they know, but what you guys um, combined know what's best for you. Um, so, yeah, I just I just wish that people would stop instilling in these kids that Division One is the only route because it's not. Yep. Um, you Even if you do go Division One, you don't have to go to the Power Five schools. You can yep. go to a mid-tier, low-tier uh, Division One school and still get to the next level, whether that's playing overseas or playing the NBA. Yep. And it's and it's all about situations. So like I, I think I think the transparency uh, of, yeah. of that is is uh is what what uh separates it because like you ha you'll have these uh these schools that will feed th feed these kids and sell them dreams on what they can do versus okay hey this is what it is this is the right situation for you and really listening to the people that are have your best interest. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I want to point out something that FFTV on um, magazine said, not really, uh, what did he say? Not really, though, because you won't get the look. Again, it depends on the person's talent and what their goal is. Um, who's to say you can't go to a mid-tier Division One school and then, you know, play there for a year or two and then transfer? I'm pretty sure you've heard how crazy the transfer portal is right now. Correct. There's so many kids, um, and, and sadly, that hurts the high school you know, yep. kids coming out because a college coach would rather have, you know, a more developed player either come Correct. out of JUCO or, you know, lateral division, a mid or low division one school before they pick up a high school kid. So it just really depends on the individual. Yep. I was literally talking to my friend. He was he was here in Atlanta. Um, he coaches for uh, Denver, the University of Denver. Um, in Colorado, and he was here coaching. He was telling we were talking about the transfer portal and how that affects their recruiting right now mm -hmm. because they are look they're, they're recruiting the high school guys, but they they have to now they have to navigate their kids that are going to leave from their transfer portal. They're they're gonna they're gonna lose some, and then they're, mm -hmm. they're then they have to gain some that are ready to play because if you're t you're talking about this high school kid and he's not ready, then you're you're at a you're at a, a disadvantage. Because now I'm losing people, and I also have to be—I have to pay attention to the transfer portal and find out what's the best talent for me to stay and win. Because you know these college coaches are under a lot of pressure, mm -hmm. so it's it's very important for them to be able to bring in talent and bring in talent that's going to be able to play right away. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think too, um, I have posted something the other day about what kind of questions should high school athletes coach uh high school uh athletes should ask college coaches because during this interview process it's not just you need to also be doing the interviewing too you know you need to ask these questions like ask the coach how long have you been here i mean of course we know things are not guaranteed and coaches move around a lot right. but asking those questions during the recruiting process so you can choose the best fit for you 
um, asking the coach again, how, um, how long have you been here? What type of player are you looking for? Um, where do I sit on your recruiting list? I feel like if you ask those questions beforehand, it can possibly cut down on how many kids are in the transfer portal. Right, right. And yeah, like, so making sure that you ask, you're asking those questions, like you said, as a parent, because the kids aren't going to ask the right questions. So like, for example, your your job as, as uh, their consultant, their, their person, um, their go-to person is to help educate them on okay, these are the questions to ask. These are the questions that are going to get you to the right answer because, you know, a lot of times if you're asked, if, if, as a, if as a parent, you are asking those same types of glitzy, glamour questions, then you're not going to get to the real meat and potatoes to find out if that school is the right fit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and like you said, that is something that I, that I coach the parents and the kids on is, you know, let's do some role playing before you guys go up for your visit. These are a list of questions that parents should ask. Right. These are questions that the student athlete should ask. But at the same time, you know, I tell parents, you don't want to overbear, you know, or over control the interview because you should allow your, your, your kid to speak. Um, but at the same time, you being there, being able to ask those hard nosed, difficult questions. Because coaches, to be honest, I'm going to keep it real with you, a lot of coaches are not expecting these parents to ask those type of questions, gotcha. uh, which, you know, that's a whole different topic. But um, I do feel that, you know, when these kids really take the time to research these, these schools that they're interested in and starting early, mm-hmm. um, you know, starting at the freshman level, I just sent my client, um, Jackson Sutherland, he's a sophomore, upcoming sophomore at Christ Aquina, New York. And I just sent him and his parents last night a checklist, a sophomore checklist for him to, you know, get going on. And what, some of the things that, you know, I have put in that email was getting with your guidance counselor, making right. sure that you're on the right path um, to graduating on time and cross-referencing those core classes that the NCAA requires. Because um, it's been a while since I've been in a high school, um, you know, school or whatnot. Um, so I don't know if the guidance counselors have gotten better over the years, but I know when I was back in high school, these these folks didn't care. Like you had to stay on top of them. And I understand they have a lot of you know stu- students to to oversee, but that goes back to you know these high school kids taking control of their recruiting right. um, process. So you making that a, a initiative of scheduling a, a a meeting with your guidance counselor. And asking them, okay, look, I'm going into my sophomore year. These are the NCAA courses that I need to be able to graduate on time. All right. Are we on the right path? Yep. Also, having a, a, a conversation with your high school coach. You know, right. the coach, you know, doesn't know if you're really trying to get to the next level. So you have to have that conversation even before the season starts. So that way you're setting that expectation. Okay, coach, this is what I'm looking to do. I'm not sure how I fit into the system just yet, but just know that I'm going to put in the work that I need to put in so I can get to the next level and also get um, some, some scholarships. And then also asking the coach, what is your network? Can you help me with the recruiting efforts? That goes back to our uh, point earlier about these coaches. I feel like it's, a, you know, their, their, their duty to build these relationships with the collegiate um, coaches. So just having that checklist and being proactive, I think that's where we fall through the wayside is that we're more, we're being more proactive 
we're, we're not being proactive. We're more reactive. We react instead of proacting and making sure that we're ahead of the, ahead of the game. Gotcha. Uh, I do have a, well, let me see if somebody else had a question. How can a guidance counselor know what an athlete should do? Well, the, the, uh, and I'll, and I'll let you uh, answer it a little bit, but that that's going to go down to the, uh, the, you know, the NCAA uh, clearinghouse requirements. Those are, mm -hmm. those that, that they can find that very easily or, or the parent can find that very easily. Uh, mm -hmm. that, that's public information. Right. No, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, the guidance counselor, they should know, uh, what the requirements are and the rules and the policy of the NCAA eligibility center, um, what the student athlete needs. Uh, again, that comes with them doing their research. And, you know, I don't expect everyone to know, shoot, I don't even know the, you know, all of the details, but as a guidance counselor, you should, you know, that is the role that you're in is to, to guide these um, student athletes to making sure that they graduate on time. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so I did have a question because I know this. I know you probably ran into this a lot. So how do you navigate? I know a lot of these kids have hand, quote unquote handlers, right? Mm -hmm. But how do you navigate that process? Because and you'll see it a lot when there isn't a uh, their their parent isn't present per se in in the household. So they'll have a handler. So how do you navigate that? Because your like what what you do is basically what to help that uh, parent you know, navigate that process. But I would think that a handler isn't necessarily that welcoming into bringing you in or have you seen that? So this is what I will say. One of my requirements is a consultation. Um, of course, you know, kids being in high school, they, they're not able to compensate me for my services because I right. do charge for that. Right. Um, so the first thing I do is have a consultation. And during that consultation, I speak both with the parent and the athlete because yep. I want to make sure that everyone is on the same page. I can, I can tell if an athlete or a parent is pushing their kid or they're living through their kid after having, you know, a couple of conversations and text messages and things like that. So that's my main requirement is that the parents have to be involved. Um, at least one. Um, right. I have to have a parent involved because again, that goes back to, uh, one of the emphasis that I, you know, one of the points that I emphasize in my business is that I want parents to get back involved in their child's recruiting. So if they're not involved in their child's recruitment in their life, I, I don't think this is going to work because at the end of the day, of course, I want to be paid for my time and my, and my expertise, but I really want to help these kids and their families, um, making sure that they're staying ahead of the game and preparing what's, um, life after sports. And if, they don't have at least one parent involved. We're gotcha. just not a great, you know, a good fit for each other. Gotcha, gotcha. And so let's go go through some of that. Uh, like I know you, you said the first step is consultation. But what are the after the consultation? How do you? What are your services and what do you like specifically? Like what do you provide for them? Yeah. So during the consultation, we we pretty much get I pretty much get an idea of what they're looking for because not every athlete needs the same service. So I might have an athlete and a parent that just needs help with their social media. Mm -hmm. um, because I just mentioned this the other day in one of the, uh, one of the panels that I was in here in Atlanta is that the recruiting, uh, the recruit recruiting has changed over the years to where it's no longer just emails and sending in videotapes, right? You have to be active on social media. You have to put yourself out there on social media. 
So a, a kid may have a lot of content, but they don't know how to go about uh, strategizing on how to put that on social media so they can get that exposure that they need from media, journalists, scouts, and college coaches. And then you might just have a parent that needs some assistance with the recruiting process. You know, they don't know where to start. Right. And it's so much information and resources out there to where it can be overwhelming. So having that one-stop shop, which is what JQ Sports PR provides, it just makes makes it a little bit easier to retain and follow. So once we're once we're on the call, you know, we speak, we we discuss on what they're looking for. What I offer is, you know, different packages based off their uh, their budget, uh, because I do realize that especially single parents, um, their you know funds may be different from someone that's you know. Um, a, a child that has both parents in a household that makes right. some money. So I just based off, I base my packages um, based off what their budget is. Mm -hmm. And then um, I create what's called a service agreement, which is the same thing as a contract. I just don't right. like using that term because sometimes it can be a little off-putting or right. intimidating. So right. I use the term service agreement because it sounds a little bit softer. So right. we go over that in detail. And then I allow them to choose, you know, if you want to work four months, four months is the minimum, four months, six months, or a year. Right. Um, and then we just go through that. We have check-in calls once every two weeks. Um, you know, I'm staying on top of the parents and the kids, just making sure, hey, have you guys done this? Hey, here's a, here's a tournament that I think will be good for you guys to be a part of. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I can um, send off your article to one of these, uh, to one of the journalists that I know um, here in Atlanta or in New York. Um, so just making sure that I'm holding everyone accountable. Because again, yes, you hire me to help, but I'm not here to do all, you know, all the work. I need you guys to, to, to help out as well. So. Right. No, that makes, that makes sense. So are you, is, because um, I know when I was coming up, it was more so, uh, like rivals and, um, you know, towards the end, ESPN got a little bit more with the rankings and things of that nature. Is it, is it still that they, the, the articles are what they, uh, you know, are, are seeking to help get ranked and get noticed or, or what is it, what does it look like uh, now? So of course, um, having your article featured on ESPN or rivals does help. But one of the things that I, I tell the athlete and the journalist or whoever I'm working with is to make sure that it's also placed on your social media. Mm -hmm. Again, college coaches are spending a lot of time on social media, more so on Twitter than Instagram. So, you know, you have all of the media journalists, all the scouts, they're every day, every second on Twitter. So, yeah, yeah it's great that you're posting it on your guy's website, but I need it on the, you know, on Twitter as well. Right, right. right. Um, so just having their articles featured, you know, if, if, if a client or a potential client has a great game and they, they had this mean dunk, I try to make sure that, you know, overtime gets it, you know, all of the independent mm -hmm. um, media highlight companies get it. So that way they can place that on their social media because they're also needing those followers right. and those views too. Right. So it works hand in hand. Right. Um, but no, to answer your question, Article features um, definitely helps and benefits the, the kids recruiting exposure. But one of the things that I like to make sure of is placing it on their social media platforms as well. And then what I also do is once that media journalist has placed that on their website or their social media, I have my client 
to grab that content mm -hmm. and whatever coach that they have a good relationship with college coach they have a, have a good relationship with send it to them via dm gotcha that's a great because show. college because college coaches like i said they're on social media every day like they have a lot lot going on so if you just send that simple dm hey coach this is such and such here's a clip i was featured on you know rivals.com today that makes sense that makes mm -hmm. sense makes sense so uh, a couple more things before we before we get out of here i want to make sure that i highlight uh you know with you being in public relations and with uh you know women's sports uh you know making sure that it's getting uh more and more to the forefront and 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 it's being on the rise what advice do you give to that young that young lady that is uh trying to make sure that she's building the best brand that she can to get recruited as a, as a student athlete? Yes. Putting yourself out there on social media, finding what else is your passion outside your sport, whether that's modeling, cooking, makeup, hair, yep. whatever that passion is, incorporate that into your social media strategy. And the reason why I say that is because I was just reading an article the other night. One of the gymnasts um, out of LSU has 1.9 million followers, and she just signed a, a NIL deal with a modeling agency. Yep. So you have to put yourself out there and don't be afraid of what other people would say. Right. And coaches, because I would also say this, I've had coaches to personally DM me and text me and say, why are you pushing these kids to build a personal brand? They need to be focusing on the sport that they're playing. And my rebuttal to that is, aren't we all supposed to be helping this kid, the kid. For, their li for, for life after sports? Not everybody gets the opportunity to play at the next level. So why is it looked down upon if this kid is trying to build a brand for their future? Yep. Because if this kid wants to be a business owner of a clothing apparel line, why is that a problem? Right. Now, it's all about balance. Because okay? I, I get it. I get it. These, these kids, they're not mature enough to know how to. But as a coach, because you're not only there to coach them the X's and O's, mm -hmm. but you're supposed to teach them about life. Yep. And knowing how to balance time management, representing yourself in a positive light. That's what a coach is supposed to do. Yep. So it just, it just, it, it, it makes me so upset, honestly, when I hear a coach that says, oh, these kids don't need to be worrying about building a brand. What they build a brand for, they need to focus on the sport that they're playing. Right. Really? Because okay. to, to a certain extent, it's, it's, it's and it, it may not be for the, everyone, but it's them wanting to use them for what they can use them for. And then when it's over, it's over. Because mm -hmm. literally my last episode was about that. Uh, you know, uh, understanding leverage versus compensation when we're talking mm -hmm. about NIL space, right? Mm -hmm. You can use NIL to get compensated or you can use it as leverage to be able to build your own personal brand. And now whatever you do for the rest of your life, you have already built that. You've learned how to do these things off the court. And to your point, it's about balance because um, if, you're, if you're doing everything that you need to do on the court, uh, on the field, whatever your sport is, you're putting in your time, then you're you're not doing anything other than showing people what you enjoy. If it's what you already are 
you like if I'm good if they're gonna be there it's not like they're not gonna be on social media so right. if what you're doing is you're teaching them to use their social media to build their personal brand therefore mm -hmm. they have something to quote they always tell them hey have something to fall back on now yeah. they created their own thing that they have to fall back on versus oh I need to get this degree to quote unquote fall back on mm -hmm. you've, you've you've taught them how to fish versus giving them giving them something to to actually uh you know move forward with that they after four years it's over yep and i like the point that you just made about the nil is not for everybody as far as compensation but you yep. also have to use that as leverage yep. and i get it you may not be the top star top athlete on your team but that doesn't mean that you don't take advantage of the nil deal yep. right because you want to, again you want to have something to fall back on and so going back to your question what can a young female that's in sports do to put themselves out there is don't be afraid to, to promote yourself on social media you see a lot of w, WNBA players now that are getting deals endorsement deals because they're broadcasting themselves outside of their sport Yep. And I think I think that's that's huge because like you just said, um, people will brands will latch on to you because of your interests versus what you quote unquote like. And like you just said, they may not be the star of the team, but they may have the most personality on the team. Mm -hmm. But when you're talking about marketing and everything for that standpoint, it's about the personality. If I can mm -hmm. if I market you and I can brand you, regardless if you're scoring 30 points or three points, mm -hmm. I if you have personality, then as a brand and you like my product or you like a product similar to mine, then I can have some synergy with you and, 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 and attach my brand to you. So I love your I love your point about personality. And the reason why <laughs> is because people relate to people. Yep. So if you have the personality to where you can get people to trust you brands are going to notice that and so what they want is they want a brand ambassador they want a representative that's going to promote their product and be able to bring in their audience because yep. now they have gained some sort of trust yep and you know brands are very strategic they know exactly who they're going out for right yep. so again going back to your point you have to show your personality you have to put yourself out there on social media because these brands are watching. Yep. They're definitely watching. They're, it's supposed to be a win-win situation for both parties. Yep. So if you, you don't have to have thousands of, you know, tens of thousands of followers. You can have a little bit under 10K, but you have the engagement. And that's, and that's another perception that most people get misconstrued is that, Oh, I have 10K followers, but their engagement ratio is very low. Yep. Like brands can tell that, you know, you may have, you know, 10K followers, but you're only getting two comments on right. each post, you know, 70 views. Yeah. Something ain't adding up. Thanks. So they're going to definitely, yeah, they're going to definitely dig into, okay, is this person really what we're looking for to promote our brand and our service? Right. They're going to dive into the analytics. Like, mm -hmm. it, going to spend money if they're going to put their dollars in it then they have to have the analytics and the and the, and the uh the numbers to back it up right so like mm -hmm. you just said all of those things are important when they are you know pitching themselves to these brands yeah. or 
or do or uh you know trying to go out and and, and um do these uh brand partnership deals you and that goes to the, to the flip side of understanding your value right so if i am this like uh this person who has th this following and i do have engagement now i understand my value my value isn't what i did on the court my value is what in this sense my value is what i what i bring to this space of my personality and my brand because your followers or your fans may not know you as a student athlete right they might not know you as a professional athlete what they know is oh this person loves to cook just like i do yes i can care less how many points they scored in the yep. game but because we share a common interest now i'm considered as a fan it's connection connection yeah. exactly and then two to, to to speak on that I would love if student athletes to please take the time on finding strategic brand collaborations. Yes. When the NIL first rolled out, I saw so many athletes, you know, post on their Instagram and their Twitter, now open for NIL deals. No, you need to first build a brand. That's the most important thing. Yep. A brand, a company is not going to reach out to you if you do not have a brand. Yep. So take this time to build a personal brand, hire somebody so we can right. manage that right. and then find opportunities for you to get, you know, get paid off your name, image and likeness. Yeah. No, I think, I think that, I think that's definitely, uh, you know, good, good uh, feedback for, for these, uh, because it, it's, it's the first, the first year just passed. And I think a lot of them are, you know, there it's it, it's been the quote unquote wild wild west. It was it's not a, everybody nobody knew what was actually actually going on. But I think you know companies like yourself, uh, you know, and and making sure that they understand um, you know how to navigate and mm -hmm. what to do and not to get lost because I think like I think companies that like you will be the ones that they need because you don't want uh, the coach's concern of getting lost in okay building the personal brand if you actually invest in yourself and hire people to do what you need to get done, that's mm -hmm. where you don't get lost in, okay, well, I'm worried about building my personal brand. No, I have mm -hmm. somebody going to help me build my personal brand. So that's mm -hmm. where it comes in. Hey, let's invest back into, because you're a business as an right. business. Let's invest back into this business and let me allow somebody to run this for me. And one of the things that I like to stress to potential clients is that I'm not an agent. Uh, I'm, I'm not an agent. I don't right. get involved in any financial uh, negotiations. Right. I'm here to be the middleman between your brand and the public. Correct. And a lot of, a lot of parents ask, don't. are you an agent? Yeah. No, please don't say that. Like, no, I am not an agent. I am your brand manager. I am that person. If someone or if a company reaches out to you and say, hey, we would love for you to be our brand ambassador for our product or our service. What I would like for the athlete to do is, okay, let me, let me call up my brand manager, my PR uh, manager, JQ, so she can make sure that I have creative control. Because that's another thing yeah. is that, you want to make sure that whoever you work with, you have control of what your brand, how your brand is portrayed to the, right. to the public. Because the brand or the company might have an idea of what they want you to be. But if you've already gained that, that community of people that know you, and then right. they see you marketing this brand, they're like, oh, that ain't, that ain't JQ. That ain't, she's just doing this for the money. 
right. people gonna start going the other way. And and you you talked about it earlier, but like the followers trust you, mm -hmm. so you don't want to lose their trust by marketing or or attaching yourself to something that doesn't speak to who you are. Mm-hmm. So no, I, I definitely uh, definitely agree. But uh, I know we're coming up on our, on our time. And I definitely want to uh, allow you some time to get some closing remarks just about where to, where people can find you, what what's uh, what's next for you, and and just close us out. Yeah, so you can follow me on JQ Sports PR, obviously here on Instagram and Twitter. Um, you can also reach me um, via my website, JQ Sports PR. Um, I have a questionnaire or a form that parents and student athletes um, can fill out. Um, and yeah, I, I think when you come across that time in your, in your recruiting journey where you feel that you need a, a PR manager to really understand what comes with that. Like, I can't, I'm not going to tell you, oh yeah, you're definitely going to be um, a D, elite D1 athlete tomorrow. No, it's a process. So understanding that building a personal brand is a process. You know, things doesn't happen overnight. You have to put in the work. And I'm that type of PR manager that's going to hold you accountable. And I'm not, you know, like I said, I'm a former college athlete. I was just telling somebody the other day, if a client calls me up and say, hey, JQ, my, my trainer, you know, um, has something to come up. I need somebody to come to the gym and rebound for me. You best believe I'm going to be there. Because I, that's the type of relationship that I like to have with the athlete and the parents is that no, I'm just not handling your, your brand, but I also want to be there as a, you know, as a friend or, you know, somebody that you right. can ask questions and get, get an honest opinion, whether you like it or not, because I'm going right. to tell you raw, right? Because right. right. I'm going to tell you what you need to hear instead of what you want to hear. Right. Uh, but yeah, parents, get back involved in your child's recruiting. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Stop pretending to know everything um, and do your research. All right. Well, thank you again. I really appreciate it. I enjoyed the conversation, and, and um, I'll see you all next week. All right. Thank you, guys.